Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, Miss Sharon. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you excited about heaven this morning? You know, when I hear songs about heaven, I uh, often, I kind of get a little convicted because I'm not always acting like I'm going to heaven. And uh, sometimes I'm acting like that uh, this world is, you know, the only source of my happiness and joy and so therefore, if I do that, then when things aren't going right in the world, and uh, things are never going right in the world, uh, right, uh, that uh, we tend to get a little down. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's unscriptural to be down. I think God puts us in the valley for particular reasons and so forth. I preach on that. But I do believe that our normal course of life, amen, uh, we ought to be uh, uh, encouraged knowing that one of these days, I was uh, poking fun there about amen and amen, and uh, I noticed Mike is still in rebellion to that, but, but uh, I, I got to thinking about my, my buddy Kent Reed, he was one of the deacons, and he was an all-man guy too, and, and he too stiffened his neck and never would, never would do what I wanted to do, but he was our song leader, always did a great job, and I remember we were going to sing, I've got a mansion on the hilltop, and he gave this wonderful explanation, now I, I don't golf, but but he, and neither did he, but he happened to be watching this golf game, and it was an important golf game, and the man that hit the ball had to hit it kind of over a hill, and it was a wonderful shot, but at the time, he didn't know it, and he said he remembered that man running. He's going up the hill, but he wants to see over, and he's jumping up to try to, to, try to see you know, his enthusiasm. He gets closer. He's jumping up. He wants to see it. And the point that Brother Reed made there is he thinks about heaven, amen. I got a, I got a mansion just over the, just it's right over there, amen, over the hilltop, amen. And I got to quit jumping, I'm going to throw a hip out. But, uh, but I'm just telling you folks, that's how we ought to be excited, amen. I mean, we're not talking about some fairy tale. We're not talking about some state of mind. <laughs> hey, listen, if you're saved, amen, you, you will literally be in a place called a literal heaven, amen. And uh, so praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. My, I might ought to just preach on a mansion on a hilltop, but uh, God's led me in a different place. So take your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 13. Hey, man, I lost my breath there jumping. John chapter 13, and uh, we'll get to the text here in just a moment. Tie the message uh, might seem a little odd, what Christ teaches us about dirty feet. And we're going to be looking at a time when Christ would wash the disciples' feet. And uh, somewhat strange tradition, certainly today, but certainly in that day, it was something that was normal, and God would use that as a teaching tool uh, that really teaches us about our attitude and our heart about many things. And, and so I want to look at a few things, four of them exactly, of what we can learn concerning uh, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So what Christ teaches about dirty feet. This is a very important time uh, in the ministry of Christ because the cross is near. Uh, I mean, just in a, a literal hours, Jesus Christ would be nailed to a cross. And really, it's always important to get context. And certainly, we're talking about Old New Testament things, that is. We always want to get all the gospel accounts that we can to get the whole story. Um, and really, a timeline that I think is important. In other words, you couldn't get the whole timeline just reading the book of John or just reading the book of Matthew or the book of Mark. You'd have to put those all together. And I was looking at this this morning. I just kind of threw something together this morning and uh, had to make some extra notes here. But 
you, you, when you consider all those gospel accounts of, of what we know to be as the Last Supper, if you will, and we studied Pentecost just here recently, and, and um, most of us, you know, I'm not going to re-explain all those types of things, but, but we know that that festival there that was coming up was an Old Testament observance. We know it today as, you know, we think about the Passover Supper. We, we often, and rightfully so, should connect it with Christ and his disciples the night before his uh, crucifixion. And uh, there's an interesting, I think, a chronological view that, that I think is important so that we understand it. And, and I'll explain, you know, why I wanted to take a look at this just real quickly. And again, I just kind of jotted it down. Uh, but uh, we're going to see, you know, if you read about that time, you're going to find that the Lord and His disciples, they, they take their place to eat the Passover supper. Uh, and then immediately after that, and I believe during, in other words, while they're eating this, this Passover supper, uh, the disciples unimaginably begin to talk about who should be the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Now, now these are His, you know, his disciples. And then afterwards, and that's what we're going to focus on, then he washes their feet. And I believe there was a significant point there to make. And then after he washes their feet, it is after that, and I think this is important to understand, that, that Judas, after the feet washing, what I'm saying is, is Christ washed Judas's feet. And then he identifies uh, Judas as a traitor, and, and, and Judas would depart to go uh, betray Jesus uh, later with a kiss. But then Jesus gives us the example that we follow today concerning when we take the Lord's Supper here. Um, and uh, again, he institutes that will and that church ordinance that you and I, uh, uh, if we're saved, uh, you know, uh, belong to a church, should, should follow. Uh, in other words, he used the bread and the fruit of the vine that night to explain about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, and then uh, soon after that, they would make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll, we'll stop right there. But uh, just important that you kind of understand the timeline of, of that night and everything that was going on. And certainly we think about the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. So all these things happen really quick, right in a row, if you will. The same evening. And, and so uh, this morning, though, we're looking at one specific part, that is the feet washing. Uh, now, it's hard to, for us to understand this, but you know, Jesus, who, who was and is God, you know, would wash the disciples' feet. That just in and of itself is amazing. Uh, and again, even considering after they argued who would be the greatest among them, who was the greatest among them there that night? It was Jesus. It was God. Yet God stooped, if you will, and washed their feet. And there's a significant thing there that we could all learn uh, certainly about what Christ teaches about dirty feet, and certainly that would be that would be one of them. And again, I want to say, he even washed the feet of the one who would betray him with a kiss. And certainly that's uh, an amazing thing to think about. And so again, the title of the message is what Christ teaches us about dirty feet. And there's four things, and I don't always do it this way, but I'm going to give you those four, and, and then we're going to go back and, and preach on them. And if you don't get them all, if you're taking notes, just, just be patient. I'll, I'll give them to you again. But the first thing we're going to, and there's a lot of things we could learn, but there's four things that I believe God would have us to understand this morning about when Christ washed the disciples' feet. And number one, isn't it amazing that I think about this this morning, although God laid this on my heart a couple weeks ago. Uh, number one is we can't be fair-weather Christians. <laughs> isn't it ironic this morning that uh, we had some rain, amen? 
Uh, but we can't be fair-weather Christians. Number two, we have to lay aside some things to be used of God. You know, often we're looking at what we can add to our life to be better for God. I contend that probably there's some things we need to get rid of so we can be better for God. And the third thing, maybe one of the most important things we could learn is that we all saved today have dirty feet. You say, no, I don't. I just, well, we're talking spiritually, okay? We all have dirty feet. And then fourthly, and probably just as important, we need to understand that Jesus is still, spiritually speaking, Jesus is still washing dirty feet today. And again, this is the God of heaven that we're talking about. So so a, a few things there, four things in particular that Christ teaches us about dirty feet. So let's jump right into this. Um, uh, let's go ahead and stand in reverence to the Word of God. I want to read the, the Scriptures, and then we'll kind of go back through them. So if you're physically able, go ahead and stand in reverence to the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God. If you can't, uh, I certainly understand that. But John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, uh, Now before the feast of the Passover, that Old Testament feast, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that is the cross, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Notice, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Amen. And supper being ended, in other words, they, they've ate their meal. The devil having now put into uh, the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, talking about Jesus Christ's hands, and that he was come from God, and he went to God. He riseth from supper... And laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, does thou wash my feet? And what he's saying here is, Lord, I, you know, he don't want, he's, he's saying, I, you know, I, Lord, I, I don't want you to wash my feet, you're, you're, you're God. Verse 7, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now. In other words, Peter, you're not really understanding everything here, but thou shalt know hereafter. You're, you're going to learn some things. Peter still saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. He said, Hey, look, if that's the case, just, just wash everything, you see. And again, uh, Peter really didn't understand some things here. Verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, that's Peter, and this is very important, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. In other words, you don't need everything washed, you just need your feet washed. And again, there's spiritual significance. But it's clean every whit, no, everywhere else, and ye are clean, but not all. And he was talking about not only the feet of Judas was dirty, but all of Judas was, was dirty. For he knew, verse 11, who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Not everybody here is right with me. So after he had washed their feet, and that would include Judas, and had taken uh, his garments and put those back on, he was set down again. He said to them, Know ye what I have done to you. Ye call, now remember the argument they had had about who was the greatest. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the Word of God. Father, help us to understand this Old Testament and even New Testament tradition, Lord. It was really born out of necessity. It wasn't something uncommon. But, Lord, it was certainly reserved uh, even for slaves in those days and the lowliest of the, the, the household at times. So, God, help us to understand what we learn from this significant event 
again, just hours before Lord and Savior would die on a cross. Father, I hope and pray that we might put our cares and responsibilities and things in this world off to the side for just a little while that, Lord, I understand, you know, there's medical reasons and so forth, but if at all possible, no one would go in or out, Lord, that we would just... Uh, uh, be able to focus here on the Word of God, Lord, and uh, Father, that you'd speak to hearts in a mighty and powerful way. Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. And so number one, what Christ teaches us about dirty feet. Number one, Christ uses dirty feet to teach us uh, that we cannot be fair-weather Christians. We notice there at the end of verse one. Now, the reason I say this is keep in mind everything that was going on there with the disciples behaving badly at that very moment, full of pride. And then Jesus also knowing what lie ahead in the next few hours. But it says there at the end of verse 1, He loved them unto the end. In other words, His, his ministry never stopped because He was in the valley. Amen. You know, uh, let's consider, you know, when we think about what Jesus knew and and, you know, he would be betrayed with a kiss and, and dragged through an illegal kangaroo court. And he would be buffeted and smote upon the head and, and slapped and, and crowned with thorns and, and have his beard yanked out and, and, and spit upon and mocked and, and, and scourged and, and, and then ultimately nailed to a cross. All of that was before him. Um, yet, when those things were really, literally upon him, he continued to serve and to minister. Certainly not a fair-weather Christian, amen. And, and I understand sometimes there's things were providentially hindered, so please don't misunderstand me here. But, but he continued to teach, and he continued even up until this last. He loved them unto the end. He, he continued to teach. He continued to instruct. He continued to encourage. He even continued, remember, he is God, but he continued to humble himself as a lowly slave to the point that he would wash the disciples' feet. I say again, that's a little convicting for me. I, I, I'm not there. I wish I was, especially when things aren't going right in my life. And, 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 and most of all, what, 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 what Christ did, uh, again, under this, this huge pressure that he was under, he continued to love his disciples. He continued to love his, his flock, his, his brethren, and the pressures of what lie ahead, and he was well aware of what lied ahead, the pressure of what lied ahead. It never altered his love for others. He, he stayed true. He didn't go off and crawl underneath a rock somewhere and hide. God help us. God help us, amen. And listen, I just want you to understand how many of us, again, in that light are, are fair-weather Christians at times. And again, uh, providential hindrances aside, I understand some things. But again, I think sometimes we're looking for a way out instead of a way in. Amen. And, and I'm just telling you, we live in a life of toils and snares. Hey, listen, we, can't be, we cannot be fair-weather Christians this morning. And God certainly gave us a great example of that. How many of us, again, are, are buckling under pressure? How many times do we excuse ourselves because of pressure in life? And I say we because I'm saying me. And we excuse sometimes. Uh, listen, it's not just 
uh, tangible things that we do, but it's attitudes, and most of the times that's what we're talking about. It's, it's some, some spiritual weakness that we have in our life, and we excuse our rudeness, we excuse our sharp tone, because we say we're under pressure. We excuse our, we learned in Sunday school this morning, you ought to come to Sunday school, amen? But we learned in Sunday school this morning that how important it is when we make a vow to God to follow it, and sometimes we excuse our promises that we have made to God, perhaps to serve in a certain area, but all of a sudden we can't do it, we start, we stop, we never do it, we never, because why? Because of pressure, because things aren't going right in our lives. And by the way, if everything has to be right in your life before you can serve, you'll never serve. As a matter of fact, when you begin to serve, more things are going to go wrong in your life. That's just the way it is. Welcome to the ministry, amen? Now, when we think about what Christ had been through, nor do I believe Christ would expect anybody, but I don't think anybody here could say that they've ever been under the pressure that Christ was under that night. Such great pressure that later he would sweat drops of blood. That's a lot of pressure. Yet, he loved his disciples to the end. Being a Christian is to be Christ-like. So we too must do the same when under pressure. Again, let me just say that fair-weather Christianity is weak Christianity. Fair-weather Christianity isn't going to win the lost. I, hey, listen, we, we need to understand some things. Again, can we only be happy Christians when everything is perfect? Can we only be kind? Can we only be approachable? Can we only be comforting others? Again, in fair weather, do I have to be in perfect health before I can properly be Christ-like? Does everyone have to treat me fairly in order for me to be faithful and kind to others? You see what I'm getting at? This is important. And boy, I fail in these areas. And we think about our God, our Savior, who humbly knelt and washed the dirty feet of those men. He had, at that moment, he had the weight of the whole world on his shoulders. Yet he loved and he served others. He loved them unto the end. And I believe we're to do the same thing. So Christ uses dirty feet this morning, number one, to teach us that we can't be fair-weather Christians. Number two, Christ uses dirty feet to teach us we have to lay aside some things to be used of God. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he was come from God and went to God. He knew what was going on. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments, that is, those outer garments, and took a towel and girded himself. Now, we think about this. You know, we might, when we think of a holy and righteous, all-powerful God, does this sound like a, the actions of a perfect, sovereign God? Is this the actions of, of the one who was there before the foundations of the earth were ever laid? Does this sound like the actions of, of that God, humanly speaking? No. Is this the one whom we read about in the first chapter of John? All things were made by him, without anything, and without him was, uh, was not anything made that was made. I mean, this is the God that we're talking about here. Yet we find him laying aside his garments and stooping himself to wash the feet of mortal man. Is this the one who healed the lame, the halt, and the blind, who raised uh, people from the dead during his earthly ministry? This is that man who again laid aside his garments to do slave labor, to, to, to wash 
uh, dirty feet. The, the one who he even said of himself, if, you know, when he came into Jerusalem, if they should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. That's the God we're talking about. Yet we find him here shedding, laying aside some things, stooping and washing dirty feet. What an amazing thought that is. I tell you what, remember that next time you mock him. Remember that next time you poke fun at his truths and of his word. Yet Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, God the Son, he laid aside his garments to wash dirty feet. And again, this ought to humble us this morning. It ought to, it ought to humble us. I mean, there's all types of emotions. It ought to humble us. It ought to amaze us. It ought to at least stir your heart this morning, right? Right? You know, I mean, it, it, ought, to, it ought to do something to you, right? Right, girls? Right? Right, Haley? Amen? Amen? It ought to stir our hearts, right? It ought to humble us. It ought to amaze us to realize that God not only laid aside His garments, but He laid aside His glory. He laid aside His majesty to wash dirty feet. An amazing thing here. I just, I just want that to sink into your heart and to your mind. I know you probably know it, but do we really think about it? And so it is that I believe we'll never be able to serve properly. In other words, church will just kind of continue to be a sideline for us until we lay aside some things ourselves. And there was a practical reason here, and I'll explain, but, but what I want you to understand is, is that, hey, listen, we, we can't you know, get over being a fair-weather Christian. We, we, we can't serve God until we lay aside our worldliness. Amen. We, 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 can't, we can't serve God the way we need to until we lay aside our bitterness, until we lay aside our indifference, until we lay aside our pride, just self-efficiency. Just plug anything in there that you want, you know, until we lay aside our, our bullheadedness and stiff necks. Hey, listen, Many, uh, I believe, you know, are not washing dirty feet because they simply won't lay aside some things first. They're, 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 they're just not serving. And, and, and again, it has to do with pride. And that's something that, that certainly, and I'm not talking about literally washing feet, but this is something that we have a hard time doing for others, and that is, again, stooping and lowering, you know. I don't want to stoop before somebody. I don't want to humble myself before somebody. And, and we never will until we, until we lay aside some things in our life. And I think that's important. So number two, Christ uses dirty feet to teach us we have to lay aside some things if we want to be used of God. Number three, Christ uses dirty feet to teach us uh, that we all have dirty feet saved even look at verse 5 and this is really a very important part of the message today so I hope that you're really listening so Christ uses dirty feet to teach us we all have dirty feet verse 5 after that he after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded then cometh he to Simon Peter and Peter saith unto him Lord dost thou wash my feet Jesus answered and said unto him, What? I'm sorry, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. 
Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part uh, with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. I explained this verse a while ago, but I want to look at it a little closely. I believe that we have here a great passage of Scripture that really explains the difference between what we call justification and sanctification. I've talked to you guys at length about that, and I hope that you understand that justification is just simply being saved from the penalty of sin. It happens just like that. Sanctification, it means some different things, and praise God, he sees us as not only justified, but sanctified. But we understand that sanctification is a process. In other words, we are becoming, uh, or should be, becoming less and less influenced by sin. We're saved from the power of sin immediately, but the influence of sin, hey, we, we got dirty feet, right? Now, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I, I still got some growing in the Lord to do, okay? That's how we're looking at sanctification. It means a great deal more than that, but I want us to look at that aspect of it. And Jesus told Peter, hey, you don't need your whole body washed. Of course, he's speaking spiritually. You don't need your whole body washed. You just need, need your feet washed. Now, uh, we go back. Judas was there. Certainly, his feet was dirty, but, but his whole body was still dirty, amen? Um. Uh, only those who truly belong to Christ, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their body is clean, they're right, they're justified, but God's people get dirty feet. We'll explain this. So we learn what Jesus is teaching here. Peter was clean as far as being forgiven and pardoned from his sin. I was reading this earlier, I have it marked already. Uh, but in John uh, 5, uh, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is, that's present, is passed from death unto life. So we know we can be saved, amen. We're instantly forever saved. That's what justification is. Peter was justified. He was saved from the penalty of sin. But Jesus says here in verse 10, though, uh, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. In other words, the only thing you need to wash uh, is your feet. So as we as believers understand that, that we walk in the filth of this world, amen? In other words, we, we get the filth of this world on us daily. Um, and we wash our feet. And I'm not saying literally, I mean, some of you may need to wash your feet literally, but, but spiritually speaking, we wash our feet by spending time with God. And we spend time with God, I think, first and foremost, in prayer, amen? Our failures in life, folks, we've got to admit, are prayer failures. We're, just, we're, not, we're not praying like we need to, and I've told you how God's been dealing with my heart about uh, the weakness of my prayer life, and I've been trying to prove that this year. But spending time with God in prayer, that's feet washing, again, daily. Daily, scripture reading, meditation, again, I say, I say daily. That's washing your feet. We keep our feet clean, if you will, with regular church attendance and you know, being at the services, those types of things. We keep our feet clean with fellowship with our church family. All those things are types of ways that, that the believer washes their their feet as we walk in the filth of this world. Amen? And we all have that. 
And certainly Jesus is teaching us here that, that there is no doubt in our mind we need this daily cleaning, we need this constant cleaning, if you will, because, listen, we all have dirty feet today. Amen. And then finally, number four. Jesus is still washing dirty feet today. And I'm really using this last point, you know, kind of as a conclusion, but, but really as a plea, as we kind of tie things together. And if you're saved this morning, you're, you're like Peter when Jesus said, you know, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. In other words, you're, Peter, you're right with me. You, you, you have the right relationship. You're saved. But, but Peter, sometimes our fellowship isn't what it needs to be. And we all know how Peter would you know, struggle in that area afterwards. And, but maybe today, maybe, maybe you're saved, but you sat here with some dirt on your feet. And the problem is, it's not just there from yesterday, but it's been there for a long time. Your feet have been dirty for a long time. There's some spiritual dirt in your life, and, and it's been gathering. I, I just want to encourage you. Jesus is telling you, he's still washing uh, the children's feet today, if you will. We, as a matter of fact, we have to have that. And, and uh, uh, maybe in a bit, maybe you just need to come and, and, and do business with the Lord as we get ready for our invitation here, here in a minute or two. But, but I just want you to understand that maybe you need to come and confess your sins as a believer and renew that fellowship with the Lord. Come and get your feet washed, amen? You know, if, if, if you choose to ignore that dirt, listen, I'm just telling you, it's going to continue to trouble your soul. It's just going to, and it's going to get easier and easier for the believer even to walk in this world with dirty feet. And that's a dangerous place to be. And maybe you're sitting here as we've looked at this story in Sunday school as well when we looked at the publican and the, and the Pharisee that went down to the temple to pray. And remember the Pharisee said, I'm not like others. And, and, and uh, maybe, maybe you do tread in somewhat cleaner areas in life. I hope that you do. Certainly that's a good way to be. But take heed lest you fall. You can be sure that even though you might live a pretty clean life, a pretty pious life, even though you might have some righteous indignation about the right things, I'm just telling you, if you're a born-again believer this morning, you got dirt on your feet. Everybody does. And you need to take care of that. That's important. You know, think about the practical side of this. Uh, in Bible days, feet washing, it had to be a constant thing as they went in and out of houses because the open shoes, and certainly it was a daily thing. And, and I thank God, you know, as I said a while ago, if you're a faithful servant today and, and, and you're serving the Lord faithfully, I, I appreciate that. But I want you to understand you still need daily cleansing Praise God, Jesus is still washing feet today. He's, he's still cleansing us for fellowship purposes. Sometimes we do fall into sin. When I say we, I'm talking about believers. I want you always to understand that, that God still loves you. Um, he promises you that. He never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't despise you. God certainly doesn't hate you. Um, certainly the opposite is, is true. He has sympathy and mercy for you. And my point is, is that he's here right now. You know, still, d does anybody here think that the, the burden of the lost, 
Jesus still isn't concerned with? He still has the burden of the lost today. He wishes none would perish. Do you not think that it breaks his heart every time a soul steps off into hell? He still has that burden today, is what I'm trying to get you to understand. But he's still taking time to minister to you, believer. He's still taking time to lay aside some things and stoop down and wash your feet. Why does he do that? Because he loves you and he desires a close, personal relationship with each and every one of his children. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe again, you've fallen into sin. I, I'm just telling you, he's certainly not pleased with that, but he is here ready to wash feet. I believe that with all my heart. Stooping down to even wash your feet. I, I tell you, when the invitation's coming and you're not, your fellowship with God isn't right today, you need to come and, and let God maybe turn those tears, despair and heartache, whatever it is you're going through, certainly into tears and joy uh, of victory. Now, if you're here and you're lost, you have a totally different situation. And what I mean is this. Peter and them, the others, they didn't need their whole body washed, just their feet. Judas didn't need his feet washed. He needed his whole body washed. What, what, what I want you to understand is, is Judas, he had his feet washed, but his soul still remained lost. Listen, works, sacraments, whatever you want to plug in there, do not cleanse you. Listen, if you're not saved, uh, listen, a sacrament holding some type of, of, of ritual, Judas was handled by the Lord himself. So your sacrament, even being handled by the Son Himself for His handling, does not, will not save you. You don't, listen, feet washing is not going to do you any good. You need to be saved. You don't need, hey listen, and feet washing doesn't save you. It's the blood of Christ that saves you. You need, you need to be saved through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lost people, sanctification can't even begin until you're justified. You can't even begin the, the washing of the water of the Word even until, until, you, get, until you get saved through the blood of Christ and, and, and have that, that sin stain in your life removed. That's, that's what you need. You don't need a bunch of religious stuff in your life. You need to be saved. Amen. Maybe if people really get a hold of that, they quit playing games with God. I tell you, God help us. Lost person, you're in need of justification. You need to be saved. Do you know him as your Savior? I'm not asking you what you've done. I'm asking you what you've done with Jesus Christ. Have you confessed him as your Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins and be saved? I, if not, boy, that would be a great way to finish the message tonight or this morning wouldn't it I'm going to ask you if you will to go ahead and stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and our pianist is going to come and 
By the way, the invitation's open even right now, and if you want to go ahead and make your way down and come and do business with the Lord, challenge the believers on what you've heard today, and how's your service? Why aren't you, why aren't you stooping? Why aren't you lowering yourself? Answering some call of service. Well, it could be you just need to lay aside some things. You see, Jesus, in other words, there was a practical reason. He couldn't get down and do what he knew he needed to do being all bound up with things. So he had to set some sides, sides some things. And I, I, want, I just want to let you know, believer, you know, you're bound up with a hectic schedule. You're bound up with making things that are important that aren't important. You're bound up because church is not a priority. You're bound up because the Bible's not a priority. You're bound up because the Word of God is not a priority. You're just, you're just bound up on some things. So you just need to lay aside some things. You need to lower yourself. You need to stoop down and become a servant of God. But again, lost person, if, if you're here and you're not saved, you're depending on a type of feet washing to be saved and to keep you saved. I'm just saying you got it all wrong. You need to come and talk to me. Come and see me. I'll meet you right down here. and We'll get somebody to take the Bible, take the Word of God, show you how you can be saved. The invitation's open. God's speaking to hearts. You step out and come. Anytime you want, you just step out and come. We're going to pray in just a moment. But if God's speaking to your heart, you step out and come. If you need somebody to pray with you, you just get my attention. You just come get my attention. We'll get somebody to pray with you. Lots of different things we could take care of today. How's your fellowship with God, believer? If it could be better, you ought to come to this altar. You ought to come to this altar. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. You certainly need to come to this altar. And get right with God. Let him get a hold of your heart. Let him speak. Imagine the Savior of the world kneeling and washing your feet today. Think about that. It ought to humble and stir your heart this morning. We have a God that loves us beyond anything we could ever imagine. Again, Lord, I come to you this morning thanking you for all that you do, dear Lord. I, I realize, uh, Father, that Sometimes the devil's just battling in areas, Lord. And to be honest, I felt that today, Lord. I, I realize that there's some struggling going on. I realize that some of our folks today are rightfully so, are heartbroken and concerned about different things going on in their life, Lord. Certainly not faulting anyone for that. But Lord, as we learned this morning, Lord, that we all have pressures in life, but Lord, we still belong to you. And Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so, Father, help us not to allow this world to manipulate us and cause us to doubt and to fear and to get away from what you've called us to do, Lord. Help us to stay steadfast, Lord, and in those areas of service and commitment to you, Lord, our daily prayer life, our church attendance. Lord, the list goes on. We, we must stay strong in those things, especially when we're struggling, I would say. So, Lord, I, I pray for that. And then once again, Lord, I, I beg that soul that might be out there right now that's not saved, not sure that they're saved. Father, that you would pierce their heart with the gospel even now, that you would pierce their heart with the love that Jesus Christ has for them. And Father, that they would just set things aside, that they would just not hold on to tradition or sentimental things, Lord, that they would just come and do business with you and get saved. Father, help us. Let no one leave here today with any unfinished business with you, dear God. 
In Jesus' name. The invitation is still open.